back to where it all started for me. So um, by, by profession, I'm a holistic psychotherapist and holistic psychotherapy is a approach, focuses on the mind, the body and the spirit aspect of us humans. And the psychedelic conversations came about through my own journey and through my work with other people who are in the healing arts and people that are interested and drawn or have a call to using psychedelics as means to their healing or self-development process. So, and like you said earlier, um, the podcast idea came through because I need to continually keep myself outside of my comfort zone. And I- That's important. Yeah, as a therapist, you know, we do get trained to listen, say less, hear more. But um, the podcasting really gave me uh, probably the boost, maybe 10x the active listening part of the therapy. So it's really great all around. So do you do therapy with the aid of uh, psychedelic substances? Is that pretty much the gist of it? <clears throat> Yeah, I, um, I can be a guide. I can also facilitate. I can also um, help support the microdosing journeys. Mm. Uh, yeah, all kinds of involves. It's a whole spectrum of um, psychedelics as a medicine in healing arts. And also, like I said, self-awareness, self-development, all those things that we love. That's what they're meant for. It's meant mm -hmm. for healing and self-development. And I think sometimes, yeah, you do need somebody to be there, like as a guide, to guide you through these states of mind, to integrate them in the way that they're kind of supposed to be used. I don't know if supposed to be is the right word, but, you know, you can use these things as tools to better your entire being, mentally, spiritually, physically. You can do this and use these tools and um, actually become a better person from it and, you know, be happier. Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> a sense of freedom, a sense of happiness or sense of purpose. You can use these plant medicines. I don't know which ones specifically you use, but we can get into that. But you can use certain ones. And if you have if you have the certain guidance, whether from yourself or from uh, another person that has that is experienced with it, you can become and utilize that a better person um, because of it. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's a uh, it pains me to know that, you know, there's people out there like you doing your thing and that's probably your passion. And there's, you know, thousands, if not millions of others out there that either on are on your wavelength or need the help from people on your wavelength. And we live in a society where it's very, very illegal, very, very prohibited. And it's unfortunate because it is what this world needs right now. It's a sense of healing and, uh, we are neglecting that, you know, we're not, I mean, what do you do exactly? So say, um, see, I come in, I say, I'm feeling a little depressed. I've been in this depressive rut for the last five years. You know, what do I got to do? What do you need to give me? So what mm -hmm. would you do? Yes. Uh, that's a great question. So, um, so we cannot, as you know, we cannot force psychedelics on people and we cannot recommend unless it is a calling for them and they mm -hmm. actually ask sometimes they find it naturally or as the indigenous um, people would say the medicine will find you somehow nowadays it's not that difficult anymore because the medicine will find you with the uh, you know increase in technology and 
social media platforms now, people can, I mean, literally on Facebook, you probably just one scroll, you can see so many psychedelic posts. So it's not like a big secret anymore, not like before. So firstly, like we're going through a, a really interesting time uh, in psychedelic space uh, where it's becoming super mainstream right now. It's just one number one topic. Everybody's talking about it. It's still very illegal. That's the thing. It's a weird time where it's like, it's kind of yeah. like a little bit taboo still because, you know, it's still illegal, but the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And biotech companies are moving in. Mm -hmm. uh, scientists are really going hard in the studies and the cases and, and the uh, research that they are doing, which is great because we need to know more. Uh, so now people would literally uh, come already knowing some aspects of psychedelic medicines and how it's used and they will know exactly why they are you know they need to come to psychedelic medicine so uh the way we we work especially the group microdosing we have a process six-week cycle process where they come in and they learn all the aspects of microdosing from scratch guided supported and all the research material resources are given um, and usually they're very neutral because uh, we do not promote medicine the psychedelic medicines i call them medicines to be honest some people might be uncomfortable but they are they are teacher sacred teaching med plant medicines so and people would come in already knowing where they are stuck and what is it that they cannot just move through like we all know deep down as much as we say we don't know what the problem is i'm stuck i'm stuck but we deep down have a feeling or inkling what is it that we need to do so i i always think of psychedelic medicine as a tool and it can help a person to have that breakthrough but the work still relies on the person Mm -hmm. So this is what we do. We are fully interested in the educational part, informing the person so they don't go into it blindly by just reading. And again, this is another uh, uh, issue that a lot of people who they call themselves, they're proud of themselves as being a solo psychonaut, where they go and explore crazy amounts of psychedelics and then make videos and post a lot on social media mm -hmm. but what they are doing is they are most of the time just sharing and projecting their own and mm. uh, this is the problem we're having right now and a lot of people take it on and that develops an uh kind of like an expectation in others so when they come into this medicine or the work i always say firstly let's drop all the things that you've heard and read and have all those expectations let's drop them because this is an individual unique journey of your own and we cannot know what's what's in store for you mm -hmm. and especially if someone's coming to psychedelic space with the intention of talking to aliens and seeing <laughs> the, the visions and the if they're interested in that the trippy side um, then you know it's not um, there is no authentic intention there but sometimes it's okay though they come in with that kind of intention they soon realize oh my god this is a serious work yeah but it kind of works out in the end but 
I always say that um, it's very difficult to know how to work with the medicines unless there is a guide, unless someone's been through the process, unless someone really knows what they're doing and, and also needs to come from a very unbiased, detached, neutral place. Like we have to be super careful not to promote, not to think, the, think of them as a cure for all because there is some serious, deep personal work that lies beyond the medicine or the psychedelic tripping. So there's that. That's the foundation of everything we do and offer. Educational, safe, harm reduction, dropping expectations, and really being clear on what the intention is. Mm. I don't have any, I don't have any uh, issues with recreational use as long as it's in a safe, space and a setting and with respect to the, see. to the to the medicines yeah so you're just like an educator when it comes down to it like just somebody that shows people how to use the tools in the correct way right and yeah and yeah that's important that's very set and setting pretty much i mean it's it's more than just the chemical compound it's also like how you use these things and that's kind of something that I feel like we don't talk about enough. I mean, definitely, definitely starting to just proof of what we're doing right now and what you do specifically, uh, definitely is becoming a thing, but I don't think it was because these things have been with us forever, pretty much. But I mean, in the 20th and early 21st century, um, people weren't really using them in the ritualistic ceremonial aspect that they kind of were used for in the past. Like when people use these things in certain ceremonies, such as the Eleusian mysteries and things such as that, um, they approached them with the utmost reverence and respect for what it was. And it wasn't like they went to a rave or <laughs> um, a concert or, you know, went to a party on them. It was like this actual, like a rite of passage that they respected. And it was this whole plan that they went through. And, uh, I think that is an important aspect that we need to kind of bring back to it. Like we don't need to be, you know, we might not necessarily need to pray to Dionysus, but we also need the same like kind of comfortable setting, like where you want to get out of it. Like you need the same kind of guidance, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Very important. I, I understand. That's, um, that's definitely going to be a huge thing in the future too. Once these things are legalized and, once mm -hmm. it's actually, you know, people realize how powerful they are, there, there's going to be many, many other people like you, maybe even me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there will be, um, maybe it'll just be like an online type of thing. Like, do you, do you have in people, like in person clients, or is it ma mainly like online where you tell people? Mostly online at the moment, because mm -hmm. as you know, um, some countries are strictly, you know, illegal and, substance is illegal yeah <laughs> um, but um right now there are so many um apps are being developed um one of them is the fireside chat uh, fireside project sorry fireside project um they are creating an app where people can anywhere in the world countries like so many countries um these substances are decriminalized so they can actually access them now mm -hmm. so they can literally tune into these apps and um get the support tell them that you're going in so they're not alone because the issue in the West that we are having right now, because it dropped in the 50s, you know, the, these substances dropped in the 50s when um, the population weren't ready. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what this was. 
people didn't understand how powerful, I mean, they did and they didn't in a way. And those who did, they started creating uh, movements. They started building and, and constructing these movements, um, then turned into this whole, uh, you know, the movement of the 60s. But um, I think what this, the real struggle in the West is because of um, one of the reasons it became, because it wasn't illegal, remember, when, when the LSD was found uh, late 40s, it wasn't really illegal. It was given to people. Like yep. um, you can literally email them or, you know, mail them and they'll send you a whole bottle of LSD and so on. Like um, someone like Dr. Stan Grof, you know, he's now has over 5,000 uh, sessions under his belt where he was oh. sitting. Yeah, he's, he's like the psychotherapist, clinical psycho psychotherapist. Um, he used to use LSD for, you know, therapy. And um uh, and himself, he explored the space himself. But the, the, the issue is uh, people weren't ready how big and important and powerful these substances were. Yeah. So that's one of the fear. When we don't know how to deal with such thing, what do you do? You shut it down, you legalize, illegalize it, right? Mm -hmm. But now, know. yeah, exactly. That's because, um, again, I tie it down to the industrialization where we've moved so far away from the rituals the rites of passages um community living because in the west as you know it is very much promoted to be an individual you know look at the instagram uh, accounts it's very much focused on individualism and the mm -hmm. selfies and so all of these like you said earlier like they are kind of uh, moving us away from the community-centric aspect of our humanness which is the uh, innate wiring that we need to be with people yeah but the right people <laughs> yeah so now what do we do we are so driven away from each other and then now we have these substances doing the opposite because in its essence the plant medicines or the psychedelic substances they bring us closer yeah that's what so, it's all about yeah Connection. so what do we do yeah so what do we do we need to start creating a westernized version of communities mm -hmm. like we also need to leave the indigenous people alone and respect yeah. them show them some respect like the dilemma that i am observing in the psychedelic space is that because we we just it's like the uh, the, the way the psychedelic substances are used in the west is like like a a child like you know like often like people don't know what to do with this thing mm. um <clears throat> some people go deep into the process they go to the jungle and they come back wearing um indigenous clothes and crystals and feathers in their hair and they look all spiritual mm -hmm. and then mm. And then we have these, like you said, folks who are using them in nightclubs and just con completely are recreational. But what, I mean, and what, so what does a um, single mom in a city in a Western country do with these psychedelic medicines? She can't be wearing crystals, feathers and all that, the indigenous clothes. And this is not the way. And because also there's a miscommunication that this is how we respect the medicine. No, we do not show respect to medicine by dressing up like indigenous people or at least learning their rituals and then 
bringing it to our communities in the West because it's just too alien to those people mm -hmm. in the West. So, and then you have, like you said, the youngsters and the other folks who are completely in the immersed in the recreational. They create more and more stigma. If yeah. you if you look at like, there's so much negativity, so much stigma around. Like, it's almost like it's a, it's we have these substances. What do we do with them? What do we do with them now? In the way, so create systems, with right? Them. Exactly. So we are far into the future. We are so far into these uh, uh, industrialized versions of ourselves that with the exponential growth with the technology, we're not going back. We're going to go forward even more. Maybe soon the technology will be so much different and fast. God knows how we're going. Like, I can just imagine chips becoming a very common thing. <laughs> but, so, so we're yeah. not really going back. We're going forward with technology. What does that mean when it comes to psychedelics? So that means we need to bring these substances into the Western life and create our own Western uh, cultures and, and a respectful way of using these medicines, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. think we are, slowly. Yeah. This yeah. is just the growing pains. <laughs> exactly. That's the intention. Because we want, like I said, there's single moms in the city who's juggling so many things and they might need microdosing. There are a um, lot of people having two jobs under pressure. They might need microdosing. I'm not even going to tap into, like, touch the mental health space. That's a whole nother monster. Mm -hmm. A lot of people suffering with mental illnesses and issues and complications and disorders, right? So, yeah. There's yeah, I think we just need to change work. the laws. Yeah. Well, yes, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I think, firstly, education is must. We really need to understand what they are. Mm -hmm. Because as much as they are super helpful, um, they are our allies, and it's going to help transform everybody. However, there is also a risk that... Um, the transformation very much depends on the person. Mm, yeah, right. It's like you can only do so much. Yeah, you can only facilitate like a good environment for these people, I guess a good um, knowledge information about it. But when it really comes down to it, it is up to the person to use them in the way that they're supposed to be used. It comes down to all of us. Like it's our own yeah. journey through the mind. Like there's nobody else that can really do it for you, you know? it's it has to be yeah it, it has to be there's no other way so yeah the only thing we can do is create i guess a framework for that to happen going yeah. forward and it might be many different frameworks it might be we might need a framework for the mental health space you know for those mm -hmm. are really suffering much deeper you know situations they're much much more in detrimental situations and then we might have to have a framework for those who just want to use it for wellness, for optimizing mm -hmm. their health. And that should be okay. And we might have to have a framework with a harm reduction where people just want to have a good time with them. And that should be okay. Why do we need to stigmatize? It doesn't need to be just for mental health, which that could be an amazing outlet to start doing the work and slowly legalizing them in the way that it needs to be done, which is mm -hmm. fine. But eventually, it should be available to everyone. It should be a free choice, and it should be 
well-educated and, you know, well-informed, people can take well-informed decisions and have that choice as, as well. Yeah. Beautiful. I couldn't agree anymore. I think we're getting there. Mm. slowly but surely we're getting there um it's just like like we said it's a weird time to be alive (laughs) this is the transitionary period between like living in the dark ages in a way and then actually um i guess enlightening ourselves to work with these things that have been with us for you know it's like we lost touch with this this essence of the mind i guess or we know where to work in this holistic path like we we were always connected with this thousands of years ago and Mm -hmm. We lost track of it and you know maybe it was deliberate maybe it wasn't uh whatever you think of it whatever conspiracy you think of why we lost track of it like we're living in this kind of um amnesia state either way we know that we're in this amnesia state uh and we have to kind of recognize that firstly and say oh i've kind of been lied to my whole life (laughs) and uh you recognize that that's the first step and then second of all you realize okay, well, then it's time for me to make the change. And these substances are what allow us to make that change very effectively if used correctly. It can change. It's literally, these things quite literally change our, um, like how our brain is wired. And that's kind of what we need to do. Like you can take time. It it takes, you can do that on the reg, 100%. You can do that with yoga and meditation. If anything, it's good to do that with medicine. So you can do this, all this stuff on the reg and change your brain. Um, and deprogram yourself from how we've been programmed our whole life, you can. But if you want to and use it correctly, you can associate associate yourself with these plant medicines, incorporate it into your practice, and it will allow you to change and grow in ways that you weren't even, you couldn't even fathom. And that's kind of what we need right now, like a really big uh, wake-up call collectively. Like we all need to um, get on that wavelength of the psychedelic, I don't know, uh, psychedelic healing, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain kind of wavelength that even though there's all these different substances and practices such as yoga, meditation, mushrooms, ayahuasca, um, psilocybin, LSD, mescaline, the list goes on. All of these are different chemicals and different practices, but they're all touching upon the same wavelength, the same kind of frequency, which is you know, essentially getting down to it, it's love and loving yourself, loving the world, sense of connection. Um, but also tied into that is a sense of um, growing. It's it's more than just the experience of that. It's like you take what you learn from that, that loving spirit, whatever you want to call it, and then you can grow and heal and truly become the person you're supposed to be here um, on this earth in this incarnation, like a, you gain like a sense of purpose from that. At least for me, I'm speaking from my personal experience. I don't like, but everybody's different, but I do notice some kind of correlation between people's experiences in these substances of like a sense of connectivity between, um, others, the world, this universe, um, a sense of from that connectivity, wanting to be selfless and wanting to give back in a way and kind of uh, almost like a sense of like sacrificing um yourself to better for the betterment of the community which is essentially you realize is yourself (laughs) you know you realize the connection between you and that community like there's a sense of um do this holistic healing it brings you it's more than just like doing the practice and and taking the substance it brings you to a, a totally new sense 
of living, a new way of living, a new state of consciousness that I think that we can um, evolve into and adopt as the new paradigm, like literally living out our humanly dharma, some would say, like our, our true purpose for being here on this earth. It's more than just like, I mean, it's part of it. It's, it's more than just healing your anxiety and depression and, you know, these ailments. That's 100% part of it because with these realizations and this connectivity comes um, that sense of, well, from you heal yourself because you realize those insecurities, I guess you could say, that you thought were, that were giving you these ailments such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, certain trauma, whatever it is, you, you kind of come to a realization that those weren't, those weren't important per se, or there's, there's a bigger reason to exist. You know, it's kind of like switching the perspective up on what it really means to be a human. And it'll show you things inside yourself and allow you to confront things inside yourself that you realize like, oh, that's not really the purpose. Like I was holding that, that in such high regard when what's really important is, is, you know, being living to your fullest extent, growing, healing, and then giving back. Like there's a certain sense of giving back in that. And when you reach that sense of um, kind of like self-sacrifice in a way from these, the idea of self-sacrifice with giving back in whatever way, it's, it's different for everybody, whatever that, that idea of creativity, I guess you could say, uh, creating a better world, then you kind of like the, the petty, I guess it's not petty, but I guess it, these things of the mind that you thought were important seem petty in retrospect, like with the new, with that new paradigm, I'm talking from personal experience with my new paradigm and way of seeing the world from all these practices and, you know, these substances, it, uh, it, it puts me on the paradigm of not attaching myself to, um, I guess you could say the material world. I know that there's like a greater purpose, you know? And I think there, I've talked to many other people that are on that same wavelength. Like we realize that the things we thought were important, you know, like our image of what people think of us, our followers on Instagram, um, just the noise of on the internet, you know, that you can get lost in and other things such as that, they're not really important in the scheme of things. In the scheme of things, we're all kind of meant to be here and um, serve each other. <laughs> a lot of that, it comes down to uh, an act of service that I think we all, we all like assign ourselves to after we come to that new paradigm shift, you know? And I'm always interested in people's catalyst in that. Like, how did they, how did they switch? Like there's, I, I think there's always like some kind of switch where you see life in like, in a totally new light, but it's a totally new light that you can't really let go. And it's usually a lot of times it's from psychedelics, right? But not all the time. Sometimes it's from trauma. Sometimes it just happens. Like, I don't know, some people just, something happens one day and they just realize that the connectiveness of everything. Um, so what was yours? Do you have any kind of special event that allowed you to like, oh, wait a second, I'm, I'm like, I should live a little bit differently. Or do you think it was like a, like a, a series of events? Like, do you think it's like a continual growth? Because I can remember one experience that I've had that was very transcendent and I've never forgot about it. <laughs> it taught me a lot. I've had many, but there was one in particular that kind of changed 
my viewpoint very drastically and I haven't looked back since. Mm, I love that. Wow. Super powerful share. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> that was so, a rant. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's super powerful. Uh, I think it's a process. I always think that we all have the, we all have the capacity to have that shift at some point. And all of us come to it in different ways. Some could be like a diagnosis of terminally terminal illness or uh, accident, uh, loss of somebody that means to them, family member. Um, I think that shift happens when we are confronted with our own mortality or that facing mm-hmm. death. I think facing death in many cases, like people who diagnose with cancer, I always mention this as well on my podcast series that everyone I spoke to who were diagnosed with cancer and they overcame or healed from it, they always say it was the best thing that ever happened to them. So I find that really fascinating. So I think there is a power in facing our own death, our own end. Yeah. Confronting our mortality is like, where we crack open and we know we, we will never go back to the same again. We will never be the same again. It, the life we know all changes overnight. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that's the experience. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the biggest one. When yeah. you can confront your own mortality, it's like you look at it in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is induced by events that kind of like brew and brew and brew and it comes to a point where it's so big and huge it's like earthquake mountains are moved everything is slipping away there's nothing nothing that you can hold on to but just surrender Mm -hmm. and confront what you need to confront go through the fear i call that crossing the river as joe dispenser says all the time but it's like an initiation it's a rites of passage Although it feels like confronting your death or your end or, you know, it's actually, or it could be excruciating pain that you are feeling at that moment. It could be a rejection because humans, we're wired for connection. Um, most people go through this when they are rejected by their partner. A lot of people who go through some massive divorce they also go through the same cracking open experience where they never see the, the, uh, the filters. They, they come crashing down. They look mm-hmm. at the world very differently after that. They look at relationships very differently after that. And, um, but it has to happen. And that cracking open moment needs to happen for us to have that big shift. But um, we all have different timelines. So, one of my biggest questions was like, why some people have that shift and some don't? Some people never have it through their lives and they can literally go to grave by not having this cracking open moment. And they just go through the motions of the three-dimensional life, you know, the physical life. Mm. And that's the life that they know. But we don't know. We can never know why and how this has happened. But all I know that I've, uh, I've been observing a lot of people and working with a lot of people, that moment happens to people at different ages, different times in their life. So that's not even one, none of us are the same, as you know. It's all individual, unique process. And, and that shift, sometimes it doesn't come like a big bang. It could be like a small, little, little things and 
subtle and suddenly you wake up one morning you're like oh i'm feeling very different today you start to do things differently so it can come like that as well very subtle and incremental mm. but most of us we have to go through it with like this excruciating pain suffering confrontation and then shift yeah yeah totally you know i still feel like i go through that sometimes yeah. pretty regularly go through these mini rebirth experiences i guess you could say but mm -hmm. yeah the big one is 100 it's like when you actually can confront that because that's that's what's in the back of all of our heads right i guess that's everybody's biggest fear deep down is most likely our own perishment but yeah yeah but yeah. when, that's the most beautiful thing it's i mean i could, I could see how it can uh, appear to be scary to people obviously to confront it through these medicines but when you actually do, you gain a sense of liberation. Like again, you gain a sense of like, um, and in that liberation is peace. Like, you know, that you gain a sense of peace, a sense of like, um, surrender is big because you surrender to the process. You realize that, that it's, it's out of our control. We're all gonna do it anyway. So the act of, of actually surrendering is powerful because if you can surrender to that, which is inevitable at the end of our life, you can surrender to whatever happens in your life, the process between, you know, the thing that's actually happening right now. And um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing because from that, it's just like kind of go with the flow type of attitude. It's like you go with, not doesn't mean you're just gonna sit on the couch all day and eat Doritos and go with the flow. It's like, go with the, the, the flow of the universe of creativity, like the flow of um, the vibe, I guess you could say, or the Dharma, you know, the, it's like, there is this like frequency that you tap into once you kind of surrender and you realize that there is a plan, I like to say, like there's some kind of plan going on and you could, you mm -hmm. could play it, you could, you could go according to the plan, which would be a lot smoother if you did, because we all have our own say in this plan, we all have our own way to act in this plan or you could try to create your own plan which isn't gonna probably go so well so you can either surrender to the greater plan or you can kind of try and do your own thing which is ultimately gonna lead to suffering so i know which way i'm gonna go <laughs> uh, and but most people don't even know that that's a thing you know that you can tap into the the Tao, the way like there is this way to live where it's just like you don't have to suffering is optional at some point you know because <laughs> it's all depends on how you look at it it's all perspective like with that seeing it that there is a plan that's from your ultimate perspective of life that oh there is some kind of this isn't all just chaos and like random events it's kind of like uh, a sense of like placement like oh okay this is all happening for a reason even the bad parts in your life and 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 things happening around you and in the world it's all perfectly imperfect once you see that this is part of the plan so you can either surrender to the plan or you can still go against the grain if you want i know what i'm choosing like i said <laughs> mm -hmm. because it just makes it easier when you realize that this life is um it's going it's like i guess it's going according to plan but most yeah. people's um not judging here i'm just stating an observation most people's idea of the world is not according to the divine plan it's it's trying to it's a it's according to the egoistic plan like some kind of um 
structure of our world where we just want to comfort ourselves in a way very temporarily like we we want to comfort ourselves through our sensual pleasures through um validation and just things low level things such as that which is that's all that's all part of it it's okay like we have to recognize that but once you just think that that's all reality that there is no plan like i'm just here for me and i'm just um here just to survive and feel good and reproduce like no it's a little bit more important than that like there's, there's a little more things going on in the world and um yeah, yeah if you can surrender to the idea of that the idea of there's more going on it's there's a greater purpose i guess to why i'm here and figure that out for yourself it's all good it's all mm-hmm. good baby mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I, all good yeah <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that, like, one of the theories that I'd like to believe in or accept is that um, um, when, like, I, you know, observe also um, many people complaining about others, you know, why other people are not learning. And, you know, you've probably seen, you've probably been there yourself when we start Mm -hmm. our journey. We want to help everybody. You want to tell every single family member what you've seen, what you've learned, what you've experienced. And you want them, um, I mean, I'm sure so many listeners can uh, resonate with this. I remember beginning of my journey, I used to bombard all of my family members with links, yeah, lectures, video links, research papers. Read this, learn this, learn this. This is it. This is going to change your life. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, so that <laughs> needs to go. But... um. If you think about it, um, we don't need to do any of that. And if that could be just a distraction of us not wanting to do our own work. So when we can continually focus on the outer world, which means it's helping us distract ourselves from our own inner world. Mm -hmm. It's another trap. Exactly. So when we too familiarize ourselves with environment, people, things that don't go right the things that should be this way and that way there is some serious control issues that we all have every Mm -hmm. single one of us even those who say i don't have control issues yes we do because we are wired for certainty uncertainty freaks the hell out of us and this is why Mm -hmm. the covid has been super confrontational because the uncertainty is just like the deepest fear so we do have control issues we are creatures of comfort we want to know what's going to happen six months time we i remember like a long time ago when before i started this path of healing arts i had friends who would book their summer holidays next year and the year after like two years in advance and i'm like oh and that was a norm right because we accepted that this is the norm this is what you do you you know like for some reason we think that we can know and be control of next six months next year your following year mm-hmm. now after going through so many processes of these you know circles and cycles like you said deaths and rebirths of this path you realize that oh my god there is no point even planning tomorrow in the yeah, sense yeah. that we've been taught like in the sense that we've been taught so uh intense everything is so intense in our lives 
you know, we have apps that control everything. We write everything down. There's checklist. Gosh, checklist mm-hmm. after checklist. Um, so if you were to say to me, what did you learn? What is the one single biggest takeaway of your psychedelic uh, path or the process for my own personal journey would be right now, currently, I'm literally incapable of planning anything tomorrow, the next day, even the next moment. I feel like I am developing in the moment. Right. Developing this capacity <laughs> to be more here right now, yeah. but not ignoring tomorrow, six months and the next year, but having ideas, but they don't define me anymore. They don't control my current state right now. Yeah. It's like uh, but, not being attached to the outcome, essentially yeah. not being attached to if, uh, you know, if things switch up a little bit, if, you know, we just so happen yeah. to do another pandemic or something, then, oh, that's mm-hmm. all right. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. I know mm-hmm. what you mean. Because we and get ha- so, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And how many people do you know, just because they couldn't have their summer holidays due to flights, due to restrictions, they've literally lost it. Like they've gone so depressed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, why is it? Why is it that, you know, what happens if you just skip one summer holiday and you, you won't do that? What does that do? It confronts the entire familiar comfort, the certainty that they are used to. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you just miss one summer holiday? <laughs> what's, the worst can, like, what's the worst can happen? Nothing. Yeah. But it's not that, is it? It's not about the holiday. It's not about that. It's about continuing with the norm, what they have been taught and learned and the conditioning. Conditioning, um, yeah. The certainty, the, the, the feeling of the sense of control that they, they have. Yeah, because yeah. we're creatures of habit. So through that, through our habits, we create this illusion of control. Yeah. I guess that's just like the game that we have to play. But through, through these practices and medicines, it allows us to create new habits for ourselves. If you want, like if you want to use it, you can. And that's kind of what I use it for is because if you, that's how we change is we create different ways of, of literally wiring our brain. And then different from that, we have different viewpoints of how our reality is set up essentially. So if we've been conditionally, um, continually conditioned our whole life into that state of planning and having some kind of plan, which kind of, we kind of were like the regimented schedules of like of schooling Monday through Friday schedule. And, you know, like we've been conditioned in that way, our whole life to make sure you have some kind of plan for yourself and some kind of like, uh, achievement like a mark where you have to get to like a place we have to get to a time to make it so you have some kind of um some kind of like almost like regimented life in a way yeah. that's kind of like the, the habit forming mind that we've been conditioned into so yeah it's our job to decondition yourself from that a lot easier said than done obviously because that's just how I think how a part of how we're uh also built like humans like to have that sense of uh like this is how it's gonna be you know, mm-hmm. this is this is how the world is when really that's it's kind of not really like that. Everything's out of control, even though there is. So it's it's hard to explain because it, there is there is a sense of plan. Like I talked about, there is a sense of control, but it's not related to how our systems are built up like that control and that plan the divine plan that I believe in, I guess you could say, is not related to how our lives are set up in terms of 
how we plan and how we've been conditioned to plan for our lives. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it's more the, the, the essence of living in the moment per se is actually, that's more associated with how this world works. <laughs> you become mm-hmm. more in tune. It actually will probably make you, your life better planned out when you kind of stop trying to come to some kind of outcome or think that your life is going to be here in six Mm -hmm. weeks and you don't attach yourself if that doesn't happen because i don't think it also it also means to me it doesn't mean i don't have plans i still obviously plan for my day and i have a schedule like we had a schedule to set this thing up right we plan this up so it's not that you don't plan your life out it's just kind of like well if this didn't happen then i wouldn't be i wouldn't be distraught i guess or if x didn't happen or if i didn't get x at a certain point in time it's whatever i'm still going with the flow i'm still alive i'm here it's kind of like it's the sense you know it's the buddhism 101 it's like not attaching yourself to any kind of outcome and that's that's the gist of it that's how you also surrender to the process because we live in an unknown world like nobody saw this past year a year and a half coming prior to uh the pandemic you know nobody saw what was going to happen so because of that a lot of people suffered but me personally, I'm just like, nah, you are, like the world's crazy. Like you never know what can happen. So when this stuff was happening, I was like, I was like, well, we should have saw this coming, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it, it definitely threw me a curveball. What I'm trying to say though, if you have the mindset of there's a greater plan going on and the lies that we've been conditioned into and living in, it kind of makes sense that, you know, tomorrow, I don't want to say it, but maybe an asteroid can come down or there could be a solar flare or, you know, something could happen. There could be some crazy tornadoes, but we're, we're out of control in the human way, in the egotistical way. But mm-hmm. if you follow the control of the universe, Gaia, the world, you realize that there is way more, there is way more going on behind the scenes, I guess you could say, to, to the stage that we're in here in this reality. And from that, yeah, I'm just living in the moment at this point. I'm just kind of trying to survive day to day, but it makes um, me happier. Yeah, but this is, you are living in a moment because nobody sees the process that you had to go through. Yeah. Like they don't know what Gary had to go through. What did that process look like for Gary to be sitting here and chilling and (laughs) having that flexibility and fluidity? Yeah, Um, yeah. it was a little messy. One thing that a lot of people don't talk about in the self-development or the um, transformational spaces, you know, like healing arts, let's call it, is the capacity. One of my favorite subjects to talk about is the capacity. And this is a, this is a very super powerful concept to realize uh, from a human perspective. It's easy to be all spiritual and woo-woo and just, Uh, talk about the dimensions and other realities and energetic stuff but Mm -hmm. ultimately we are human beings in this three-dimensional world the reality that we're we're perceiving uh, made of bones skin and blood it is what it is yes there is other things beyond the veil but right now what's happening in front of my nose I am human I'm limited I have limitations I have human limitations where I need to be in this physical body until my time is up. That means, you know, I can um, read as many books 
I can go to all workshops. This, in, this includes psychedelic experiences, by the way. I can be drinking hundreds of cups of ayahuasca, but nothing will move, nothing will change, nothing will transform. It will be temporary. It will be for the moment. Why? Because of the capacity. We, as human perspective, from a human perspective, we need to build resiliency. Capacity is just the emotional resiliency. We need to build that inner capacity in order to be flexible. I know so many people who go into, uh, who go into uh, like you said, distraught and um, craziness just because they miss their morning coffee. <laughs> yeah. let, let alone missing something bigger and greater. They sweat the smallest things. Why is that? Because it all comes down to our inner capacity. And when people take psychedelics, one of the things I always, always bring it to attention and always repeatedly reinforce it until it becomes so obvious to them. Until you build that inner capacity, you can be sitting in any ceremony. Nothing is going to change in your life. So you might say, okay, how do we build that inner capacity? We don't build that inner capacity in the psychedelic ceremonies, unfortunately. We go into the psychedelic space. We explore and ex uh, ex uh, explore and ex go into that expansion where we receive the benefits of new neural pathways and connections that are happening, or not just the brain, by the way. There's free brains in our bodies. There's, there's the mind, there's the heart brain and the gut brain. So when somebody takes psychedelics, they don't just improve the cognition uh, and neural pathway. They actually go through the whole system reset. But what happens is that when they come out of the ceremony or the experience, they go back into their environment, which is the norm, which is their common reality where they, you know, always so familiar with. So what do you do? Now that you experience the expansion, now you've seen and received some messages and benefits, you need to go back in your three-dimensional world. This is where rubber hits the road. Now you came home. Right, what is the next thing you need to do? Have that difficult conversation with that person that you've been avoiding. Stop that addiction or at least become super aware of, direct confronted. I always say, if you, have, if you have an addiction, there is no weaning off. There is no, oh, let me just do a cheat day on, on that day, I'll have it. Or if mm -hmm. you have a sugar, like for example, let's give a simple example. If you have a sugar addiction, direct, mm -hmm. direct confront it cut cold turkey and then yes the anxiety will come the cravings and sit in that what is it what is it why did you build such a codependency what is it that if you don't have that what happens to your body observe it Anx anxiety levels go up trembling shivering shakes just sit in it that's a direct confrontation again uh, there's someone in your life that triggers you have that difficult conversation let them know so this is how we build the inner capacity by taking action in the three-dimensional world mm -hmm. take care of this and the higher dimensions and the higher spirituality will take care of itself mm -hmm. if we don't have this inner capacity we will not be able to change anything
it will just be talk. It will not direct reflection, but it will never be the direct reflection of our lives. So sometimes like you probably meet a lot of people who know so much about esoteric uh, philosophies, concepts, my goodness, so educated. They intellectualize everything. They intellectually know so much. They have so much wisdom knowledge, but it never reflects into their direct physical life. Mm-hmm. They have yeah, the yeah. most chaotic life most of the time. And that's, yeah. because, that's because knowing is not doing and you really need to build inner capacity. And this is where the body, wisdom of the body comes, the heart wisdom, the gut wisdom. They are also, they carry the same cells as our brain. That's why they are the heart brain and the gut brain, right? Yeah. So you tap into your somatic wisdom. This is the body's wisdom. And you go through each step, each one by one. What is it holding you back? For example, one of the simplest examples, uh, say somebody wants to launch their podcast, right? But they're so nervous. There's this fear. And they intellectualize it. They say, oh, my God, there's so much fear. No, I can't do it. I will be so scared, afraid. I'll be so anxious and nervous, right? Okay, let's explore that. Why don't you launch your podcast? And then post your first episode. If it's a solo, maybe you just want to have a conversation with your friend to make it easy on your first. And then while you're going through the motions of recording your conversation, why don't you pay attention to your body? Where is that nervousness coming from? Is it from your gut? Is it from your heart? What part of your body? Is it your throat? You can't speak. The words are not coming out. Are you feeling hot? You're feeling anxious, you're trembling. Like, what are those things? The somatic experiences that you're going through. Yeah. Super aware of it. Observe it. Don't do anything. Don't change it. Don't don't jump in the cold shower and try and change mm. your state. Don't do that. Just observe be, it. Yeah. Be with it. Observe it. And then do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Promise you by by your 10th conversation, all of the, the somatic uh, experiences will transmute and you will declutter the junk that you've been holding on your cells, this, this tension and this intensity. Um, and then eventually it will become easier. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not say, yeah I'm not saying they will go away. They always, always will be there, but your relationship with it will change. Mm-hmm. And that's how we know. Uh, that we are building inner capacity. Do you think we all have that capacity as a human being? Every single one of us have it. Every single. That's why a lot of people in the healing arts, they never change, never heal. Like you meet people who's been taking ayahuasca for 10 years. Hmm. Nothing has changed. They still they still go and date um, dysfunctional. Uh, they, they find themselves in dysfunctional relationships. And, and, and sometimes they say, hmm, this is my learning. Like, this is a divine plan. Yeah, but um, how, how many years can you do this, though? <laughs> that sounds mm-hmm. like a bypassing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Kind of justifying. There is another um, scary thing about the spirituality and uh, healing, in the healing arts. Uh, sometimes when we don't have the inner capacity, we tend to bypass uh, we tend to uh, give a meaning, like a spiritual meaning, why these chaotic things are still happening in, 
in your life because we must justify it, right? We must justify yeah. it. Mm. But this is a toxic spirituality. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunately a thing. It's another trap. If you get too trapped into the 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 woo-woo of it, I guess you could say, the story of spirituality, it's it's like it's becoming its own cult. People are losing, I guess you could say you could. It, it, you, we have the capacity to also go the other way, where you lose the, the real purpose of what this whole uh, headspace is about. And you, it, it becomes like an egotistical thing, mm. which is, that's very easy. I could see that. I could see mm-hmm. definitely getting trapped in that idea mm-hmm. for sure. Especially if like, um, like I'm just doing this for fun personally. Like this is just me having good conversations with good people. So I don't really care if people watch it or not, but if it's tied to your, uh, identity, like your, what people, what you think people think you are and it's tied to your, especially your income. Um, you could definitely shine, a um, I don't want to say negative, but just a different light on this whole holistic healing aspect for your own good. And that's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, but it could end up bad. Like if you could just, if you approach these things with a inauthentic, ingenuine, um, in, like, you know what I'm trying to say, like a way of, if you're just trying to survive by making videos or making some kind of art from the psychedelic space, um, you might put out stuff that necessarily isn't associated with the correct way to do it. You know, it could just be almost like another crutch, you mm-hmm. know, which isn't, that's not necessarily the, the way to go about it. I think the way we're talking about now is the way to go about it. It's not really, I don't know. You approach it like, yeah, I mean, the spirituality aspect is obviously huge. When you go into these experiences, you have mystical experiences, but it's not, it's like you take, well, we're still here in this 3D, 3D realm in this body. We still have something mm-hmm. to do here. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we don't get lost and caught up yeah. in that, that realm because that realm is probably going to come a little bit later in life. I mean, like when we die, maybe after we die, maybe that's when we'll have all the time to explore those realms, you know? Until then, we're here now and just use those experiences as a message to better facilitate this realm that we're in. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, how many times mm-hmm. do you really got to do ayahuasca <laughs> or any other substance too? I realized that with uh, with mushrooms because I, I do mushrooms a lot. Oh, I don't. I used to. And then I realized, I was like, man, how many times do I got to do this? <laughs> how many times do I really have to go through this? Like, I realized that it's some kind of, like, how, there's only so many times you can get the same message. So from that, uh, I realized it's not about, it is cool. I mean, obviously everyone loves the visions and the feelings and the ecstatic states of connection that you get into with these, with these substances, but you can get that without the substances and without the whole narrative that you tell yourself about these things and that and telling yourself that you're the Messiah or something. It's more than that. It's, it's like, use what use these things, like I said, as a tool, um, mm-hmm. appreciate the experience that you had and don't even get too attached to those. So even though it's very tough, like, cause you can mm-hmm. go through some amazing, amazing experiences on these substances, like absolutely transcending to say the least. And if you get attached to that, that's just enough. That's probably the biggest trap. You just gotta mm-hmm. stay 
leave it in the past in a way take it and then you know you keep going before mm-hmm. enlightenment chop wood carry water after enlightenment chop wood carry water kind of thing you know exactly but that's that's a whole other aspect man getting get on the 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 idea of like fake spirituality i like you said toxic spirituality that's definitely a thing too and it's when you tie your ego in a little bit too much with these spiritual ideas and you suck other people into this idea like mm-hmm. you get a lot of people living under the lie of um mm-hmm. how you see your own idea of spirituality when it's not really it might be totally different from other people mm-hmm. but when you're, you're you're selling this to others literally selling this if, if, if it's your living um it can be a dangerous dangerous thing and there's probably a lot of people that have gotten into some uh i guess maybe bad trips or unsuspecting trips from from people that are promoting a sense of toxic spirituality and uh it would have been avoided if it was talked about in an educated and um i guess thoughtful manner you know with the the capacity like you said i like the idea of like the capacity just giving people the, the 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 space to have that capacity is the most important aspect of it i think exactly i love those uh insights that you're sharing so profound so (laughs) just want to quickly tie it all back to uh, why is that um lately almost all of my episodes on my psychedelic conversations have become about around this toxic spirituality there are a few terms that i'm going to share with you they're quite hilarious there is another one psychedelic narcissism Mm -hmm. there is another one psychedelic shopping where people just yeah like you shop meaning you it's like um how we are such a huge consumers in the west you know when we go to the mall what do we do we buy everything right Mm -hmm. uh when people come to psychedelic space without that full awareness and education understanding about these substances they start using cocktails of psychedelics oh wow continually like there are people they have uh, they get buzz uh, just trying different psychedelics just because they want to see what they are like yeah and they are psychedelics are not that they are not those you can't do that this is not this is not walmart you're going and just picking up stuff from the shelf it's not you you cannot do that this is the this is the most detrimental thing you can do for yourself psychologically yeah. physically you know spiritually so and the reason that you know i always tie again to um human perspective so one of the things that i i love talking about in our group microdosing processes i am continually in favor of bringing people down because we have now built this toxic spirituality where everybody wants to be in the five dimension everybody wants to talk to the angels uh, even like in psychedelic space, people just want to communicate with these other worldly beings. And, you know, some people call it the, the God and, you know, all this source and everything. So I feel like my job is to bring people down. Okay, that's lovely. That's like beautiful. Yes, that's great. I'm so happy that you can experience and fly and be this cosmic being, but let's bring you down let's bring you down and let's see what's in your basement mm-hmm. what is it yeah yeah what is it that you're hiding in your basement mm-hmm. 
is there a, like I said earlier, is there a difficult conversation that must take place? You're not doing it and you're avoiding it. Is there like, is it finances? Are you stuck? You're not yeah. taking responsibility of uh, creating a good income for yourself. So, so there is a lack of self-worthiness somewhere that you don't, you don't create that income that you, you, you need to survive as a human being because you need to eat, right? You need to eat. So this, is, this, this shouldn't be a taboo. This shouldn't be a stigma. What is the relationship with money? What is your relationship with money? Let's talk about that. Uh, what is your, you know, all of these things like self-deception. Do you understand the concept of self-deception? Do you understand your blind spots? Because see, this, this human body comes with an algorithmic uh, mechanism. We call it unconscious. Some people call it subconscious. So we are here with this. There is this algorithmic. I call it algorithmic because it's an intelligence phenomena that unless you build inner capacity within yourself and turn inside into your own world and grow in self-awareness, you can be sitting in Peru every weekend or live there in Costa Rica and Bali and wearing all these crystals and feathers, do whatever you want, but you will never be able to know who you are, what you stand for. Experience this life as you meant to experience here in this physical dimension. We're here to experience this difficult thing that a lot of people try to escape from. Do you know how many people I meet in psychedelic space, they're trying to escape their body? Mm. Like why the hurry? It's gonna end one day. You're gonna close your eyes, be buried underground. Like why the hurry? Let's explore why do you wanna escape that? Why do you wanna escape this body? Why don't you accept it? What is it? in your basement that mm. you haven't touched on? Is it scary? Is it messy? Let's go down there because I always say, you, you forget, forget the 5D, you know? You must go down in the dirt into your basement, get muddy, messy, sit in that pain and suffering, and then you can ascend. There's no ascension before descending into that mess. So yeah, I always like, um, Instead of, you know, talking about the benefits and this amazing, great stuff about psychedelics, that's not my job because we have amazing, um, uh, like Dr. James Fadiman, uh, Dennis McKenna, we have these amazing people like Michael Pollan. Oh my God, he's doing incredible work in the space of the science, the benefits, how it's changing the mind, the, the chemically, uh, biochemicals, how they are reacting to psychedelics. That's not my job because we have, like I said, amazing leaders for that role. My job here is if you decide to work with me, I will make sure I'll take your hand. If anything, I'll force you to go down into your basement. Let's clear out the junk. Mm. Wow. That's what's important right mm -hmm. now. That's what's important. That's what's going to help you move forward with your life. That's it. Simple as that. It's quite simple, actually. And we talk about all these concepts about you know psychedelic shopping and uh, narcissism toxic spirituality all of these are part of our shadow the unconscious algorithm that um we try because it's too painful right it's yeah. too painful to confront those and um and we carry these like you know i call it like we're in our own bubble this self-deception is real yeah so for example i can see your 
blind spots, but you cannot. This is the algorithm here. Right now? Not like just give an example. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. and you probably can do the same for me. So mm-hmm. humans, we are interesting creatures that we can meet somebody and we can pick up on the things that yeah. they, they have. I call it self-deception or blind spots, whatever. The work that they are avoiding, basically. Yeah. That's a superpower. Right? But <laughs> the person cannot, like, um, like, I can do that for others, but I probably cannot do it for myself. That's why I always love group processes. When a group of like-minded people come together in authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, practicing vulnerability and really, like, intentionally going into their truth, some magical process comes yeah. alive. That's something special. Yeah. That's how these yeah. things are supposed to be used. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how much we work on our own alone, like a solo journey, in the beginning of our journey, before we humble up, before we build that inner capacity, we need others. Uh, and I want to just quickly touch on something you said earlier. You said um, when you begin uh, taking psychedelics, um, you realize it's not just about that anxiety, the depression. It's, it's, it's a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture. However. We won't be able to see that bigger picture until we take care of the mess in the physical dimension mm-hmm. and build that inner capacity. That's why you can talk like that and you can feel it in your bones because you've done the work. You've done mm. the work. People who have gone through the process, been there and really gone through the process in that really suffering and being with it and facing and confronta- confronting, um, they feel it in their bones, that it's not about their childhood trauma, that their mums abandoned them or that dads did this and the family members did that. They don't care anymore. It just, it just means nothing anymore. It's just a narrative yeah. that they are completely emotionally detached. They're no, more, no longer charged emotionally to that uh, story. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But psychedelic, psychedelic um, ex- exploration, let's call it, it kind of has its level. So um, when people come into it first, uh, the work begins with that exactly. Oh, poor me, the victim me. Oh, my God, everybody's out there to get me. Oh, my God, everybody was like, um, they were hurting me and they were doing this and that. And poor, poor me. I've gone through so much pain, right? And then slowly, as we build that capacity, we move into the next next phase, which is like, oh, actually, my parents didn't know anything better. Those people who hurt me, they are also in the conditioning. They also didn't do it intentionally. And there is a sense of relief and there's a a little bit more letting go. Mm -hmm. And then you go through the next phase. You're like, hmm, I'm totally detached. There is a bigger picture out there. And then as you go through these phases, you become this cosmic, more of like a cosmic, uh, there is this cosmic understanding of, my, oh my God, I'm so tiny little speck in this big, big picture. Wow. What was I thinking? Thinking that the world rolls around me. It's just me, 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 me. Yeah. That just kind of goes away and dissolves after a while. Yeah, that's liberation. 
you know, letting mm-hmm. go of the victim mentality, that's huge. We all yeah. have been conditioned almost into that victim mentality. Yeah, and because we, we have the tendency, the, like I said to you, the algorithmic um, unconscious dynamic within us. That's good. The algorithmic unconscious dynamic. That's why, we, that's why it's easy to condition humans because we have the, we have the foundation, mm. the tendency already it's there it's built in that's why it's easy you know a lot of people say like oh why why do you take all this rubbish why do you get conditioned by your parents well well, this is because it's not like we but it's not by choice until Mm -hmm. we become self-aware it is not a choice you come with this software how can you know how can you stop the conditioning how can how can you tell an eight-year-old child don't be conditioned, all right? Don't take what, don't do what we say. Yeah. Don't believe in everything we say. We are just messed up, traumatized. We are, imagine like um, your child, they don't look at you and think, oh, my mom carries a transgenerational trauma and this is what she does and she gets yeah. triggered. And actually, this is not personal. I shouldn't take anything she says personal. Eight-year-old can't do that. Not, mm-hmm. They haven't developed that frontal abstract brain just yet that allows the self-awareness the inner capacity that comes later on yeah that's why we have these tendencies with conditioning it's easy it's easy yeah it's just part of our biology to be conditioned in one way or the other you just have to make sure yeah i mean i think there is a way even though you can't tell kids that specifically i think there is a way to guide them into that lifestyle i think the way that we're raised is so so far disconnected from source but i think there is a way to truly raise the next generation which i think is what we're going to have to do is raise the next generation into kind of that mindset doesn't mean you doesn't mean you give them mushrooms at a young age or like you you tell them things such as past uh emotional trauma (laughs) from their parents and stuff like that it's just kind of allow them i guess maybe to be curious but also structure them into a um i don't know i'm not a father so i don't really know <laughs> i'll find <laughs> out we'll, but we'll just structure them into that being able to ask those questions like we're asking now or just being able to uh i guess not get sucked into the narrative you know it's easier said than done obviously because we go to these schools where they put a narrative onto these kids, you know, like quite literally there is some narrative sold to these kids Monday through Friday. Uh, so I think it's our job as conscious individuals raising the next generation to be able to allow the next generation to be even more conscious than we are. So they don't have to go through a deprogramming process that we all had to go through when they can just be programmed in the right way from a young age, which is so either way, we're programmed, I guess, we're, we're trying to get at. Like a human being is like a, it's like a advanced biocomputer. And you just have to be able to be sure to program yourself or your kin, your children in the right way. Um, I think that's the job of the next generation. You know, I don't think change definitely comes through personal change in yourself, obviously. But you take that into the 3D realm, getting back to like getting out of the spiritual realm, getting to the 3D realm you also take that as a human being and give it to the next people that are going to be here after you and then they do the same and it's just a snowball effect that keeps going that's how change truly 
um, happens through the collective unconsciousness, like in, as a as a species, is like we pass this on to the next generation. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Not everybody's going to make it through this time around. <laughs> it might have to happen on the next uh, generation, or maybe even the generation after that. Like these ideas that we're talking about in this world that we're moving toward. I like to think sometimes, well, I don't like to think, but I do think sometimes that it might not even happen in my lifetime. Like this idea of, of being able to hold space for people like that legally without having to worry about any kind of consequences. And it's actually incorporated into our society. And we raise a more holistic next generation and a more conscious next generation. Like all of these things I think are happening very quickly relative to how they have in the past. But I don't know if it's quick enough. Like, I think we're eventually going to get there, but it might not happen in my generation. I'm just doing what I can to, I guess, pave the way for future peoples on earth to uh, not suffer as much, to really kind of not have to, because, you know, this whole deprogramming process, it's kind of messy. It's kind of a little rocky at times. So like, I would preferably not have to go through that again. I would not like to, and I would want not, not want other people to go through that. So yeah, it's up to us to just make it so, the future is a little bit smoother, I guess, so that we can all get on this wavelength of healing. Uh, it's just gonna take a little bit of time. I don't know how long, like I like to think maybe in the next 10, 20 years, we're gonna be in a totally different world, but I don't know, it might be in the next 100 years, who knows? Nobody really knows. I know we're gonna get there eventually, like we're gonna be on this wavelength that we're talking about of um, just like a, being the, the human beings that we're supposed to be, I guess you could say. We're going to get there. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Like, what do you think? How long do you think it's going to take for us to live in a society where these medicines are respected and this lifestyle is respected and holistic healing is truly respected and from there we grow? Mm, What a great question. Oh, my God. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I don't, my work is not only tied, not primarily not tied to um, psychedelic substances. So my work is actually, you know, ultimately my work is tied around the self-awareness, growing in self-awareness. And I think that's how we counter the conditioning. So I don't know how long, but the more we grow in self-awareness, the more we can detach ourselves from taking everything too personal because life isn't personal if you think about it Mm -hmm. in the way that we think and we're conditioned to believe so i think the more we turn inwards and take care of our inner world then the outer world will take care of itself naturally because it will reflect and if every one of us come to that realization of let's come back down onto the earth and take care of the things in front of our nose first before we transcend and levitate you know then i think we get we have a better chance of uh, moving forward quickly and um, uh, there is in my training we call the uh, nervous system regulation uh, concept which means when we bring up children raising children we don't have to actually teach them anything we don't actually have to verbalize everything and discipline them in the way that you know we imagine that kids should be raised we can just take care of our own nervous system what happens is that children any other like for example you and i we're having this conversation now 
beyond these words that we are saying and the conversations, the concepts that we are intellectualizing, there is something else that's happening between us. Our nervous system is tuned, tuning into each other. So my nervous system mm. and yours is energetically tuning into each other. And now you, I didn't know you before. Now I know you and we have this conversation. And as I'm having this conversation with you, I am being super mindful and I'm being super calm. This is intentional. As I create this inner calm, safe space inside of me, your nervous system picks it up like Wi-Fi. Now we are reciprocating the same calmness, safety. This is a very unique, special container. This is where the growth happens. Imagine you bring this to kids. If a parent is super conscious to take care of their own inner space, then the child is like the Wi-Fi, mm. you know, quickly channels and tunes into the parent. That's it. That's all they need to do. Then the child will not have these tantrums. The child, if they do, you have to still hold the space, but there will be this symbiosis, like synchronicity with the parent. So when you see uh, chaotic, crazy um, children continually in this, you know, chaotic, rigid, uh, there's this label called ADHD type of states, um, don't forget they are the way they are because of the parents. Yeah. Because, like I said, they are the little, the sig- you know, the Wi-Fi signals. They are continually tuning into the grown-ups. So if a child grows up in this chaotic, uncertain, triggered, dysfunctional environment, they will then be conditioned to that. And their nervous system will only know to be in that chaotic space or in a state. And this, oh. child, this child will then continually seek the norm that is being conditioned. So that's why people who grow up in dysfunctional homes, they, they grow up. And they, uh, they, they also find uh, friends and intimate partners also to give them the same chaotic nervous system activations. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So even as a parent, it seems that you, the, only, the best thing that you can do for your child is work on yourself. Take care of yourself, inner self. Wow. That's pretty powerful. State. Yeah. Do you have children? Yeah. I have two. So, yeah. Okay. So that... So are you raising them? You're raising them in that manner that you just described? Not the first one. That's why I've learned. First oh. one was I. <laughs> second one I am trying. I am oh. trying. I'm doing my best. Yeah. All you oh. need to do, like I said, just take care of your inner state. Be conscious, super conscious of your nervous system. Even if you're around children. That's why, um, especially, you know, in war zones and chaotic environments like natural disasters where children get affected all they really need is a grown-up who can be in that state calm state for them to be not traumatized that's all there is seriously this is crazy to think but this is what what the children need they just need to feel safe around the grown-up in order to thrive in order to become themselves in order to not to be afraid to express their authenticity and and be vulnerable as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you you're giving that permission to them. Like leading by example. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best that we can do. Work on yourself. That's what Ramda says. The best thing that I can do for me, well, the best thing that you can do for me is work on yourself. And the best thing that I can do for you is work on myself. And it's, it's so true. Yeah. So true. It's like the it's like not selfishness in a way, though. It's not like trying to get any kind of personal gain, I guess, per se. It's like personal gain, I, I guess, maybe, but at, not at the expense of others. It's like you're working on yourself to become a better person. But from that, just just so happens that it, it's it's like a um, if you're truly authentic with it, and it actually is you are growing people will notice and the, the best thing that can happen is the, they can use you as an example and they grow themselves you know you can't tell people how to yeah. live their life and how they should go about changing up their habits or maybe you know how they should act it's like you can only do that for yourself truly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a it's a very i mean that can be a daunting thing to really take in to know that uh you're responsible for everything that happens in your life not necessarily everything that happens but how you respond to things that happen in your life and that can be a little daunting but once you are able to fully internalize that in your being really digest that it's actually a sense of freedom it's a sense Mm -hmm. of like oh okay i'm i'm the one (laughs) Mm -hmm. i am the main character it's up to me and nobody else. So once you gain that that perspective of, well, I'm not going to change anybody. For uh, for me, at least, I realize that, well, nobody's going to change me. <laughs> so it's all up to me. There's no, there's no way. I feel like we're all looking for the next savior. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back and save us type of thing. But that's not going to happen. We all got to be our own Jesus and save ourselves. It's it's a little scary because we do, like we, like we said before, we want that protection. We want that kind of sense of it's going to be all right the sense of orderliness i guess but you can only find that orderliness in your own in your own way that you conduct yourself yeah that's the that's the game that's the journey here it's a never-ending journey of coming to that and realizing that i feel like and being able to live on that wavelength but once you once you realize that at least for me i don't go back like i'm not going back to like i don't need anybody to tell me that i'm safe or anybody to tell me that I'm doing the right thing or anybody to tell me that I should do this or I should like advice, I guess. Not that I don't take advice, but I don't need anybody's. Like I, I have like a certain kind of uh, internal compass and I know yeah. where to direct my life. And it's over a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of work, definitely. Uh, it took some time to be able to, to really tap into that, but it's possible. It's possible for all of us to be able to tap into that. And I'm not saying that, like, I, I ignore everybody's advice and I'm, I'm like self-righteous in that way. It's not like that. It's like we all have we all have this like innate strength in us, like, like an innate drive in us that we neglect. But we all yeah. have that that creative aspect in us to create our own life, to literally. I mean, people mm-hmm. made it into like a corny statement, like manifestation, but you can manifest anything you want and create your own life and create the framework for other people's lives as well once you get to that point and it's a beautiful thing to be able to um resonate at that frequency and that energy the creative aspect of the universe is essentially just love 
But love is creation. And to be able to love yourself fully is a beautiful thing. And then from there, you can love others. And they get that. It's contagious. You know, it's the most contagious emotion <laughs> that's in this universe. It's, uh, and it's, it, if people are receptive to it, it'll, it'll spread like a, like a, like a virus, I guess, the, the virus of love, you know, it's like, first you catch it yourself, and then you spread it to others. And it's like this thing that just bounces off, you know, if, if people are receptive enough to it, like that, that frequency is something that you just can't let go of. It's the frequency of just uh, loving yourself enough to be able to surrender to the process that you're caught in. And from there, even though it sounds like you reach a sense of not being able to create your own life and not being able to be in control, it's actually quite the opposite. It's like being able to surrender to um, a greater sense of creation, a greater sense of purpose and control. You know, it's very powerful. And then, yeah, it's a contagious, like that whole frequency is a contagious thing to be able to, to do that for others, not necessarily telling other people how to do that, but being able to be, I guess, like a shining beacon of hope in a way. Um, we, it's amazing. And we can all be that. Like, it's not just me or you or anybody listening. Like, literally every human being can lead by example for for each other human being. It's a beautiful thing. I know maybe many people may think that's a very idealistic statement and think I'm crazy, but I don't think so, man. I think we really do all have the ability and the potential to live um, our, to our greatest potential. Like we have the um, aptitude and the capacity to do so, all of us, just simply being a human being. It's, I really do believe that, but you just gotta, I don't know. You just have to be able to tap in, I guess, just be lucky enough to be able to be in an environment where you can facilitate that for yourself and ultimately others around you. Because I think it also, I mean, like we talked about before, there's some people that just aren't going to make it. They're just not going to like this lifetime. They're just stuck in the rut, just stuck in the hamster wheel of suffering. And I feel for those people because like, you know, I'm connected to them in one way or the other. And I feel they're suffering in a way. And it's unfortunate. So it's just like, it's, it's sometimes I'm like, damn, I'm really lucky. Like the, I, the incarnation that I'm in as Gary Haskins, I'm glad that I was able to be born in this body so that I could experience life in this way. Cause there's a lot of people that are just going to suffer their whole lives. And it's really unfortunate, you know, because I know that they have the ability to do so. They have the ability to live their greatest, to their greatest potential. But, you know, they're just really lost in the sauce, as I like to say. They're really just stuck in this narrative. And it's very unfortunate, you know, like we're very lucky. Anybody listening that has listened this long and kind of understands what I'm saying and me and you, Susan, we're very lucky to be able to have this mindset of kind of it's almost like a sense of like a shield like it's it's like a sense of like almost immortality in a way almost like nothing can kill me i'm i'm like a sense of uh just a, not really suffering as much like i don't feel like the victim like we talked about before like i don't feel like the world's against me i only feel like the world's for me and we're very lucky to be able to have that mindset where we can create that life and continually dwell in that lifestyle and that mindset you know it's it's a sense of um, fate in a way, I, I guess. Like, why do you think, I mean, I'm not, I, it sounds like even egotistical to say, but it's kind of like true. Like, it's almost like a sense of being chosen for this path. Like before we incarnated here, it's almost like 
we were um we, it's all it's like we chose to be and dwell in this mindset as like a healer but i think we can all get there like i don't think it was like maybe just in this time period that we're living in 2021 it's only some people that are on that wavelength but i think eventually in the future we can all get there but it's a very peculiar time right now for you know it's not just me and you obviously it's not just me and the listener it's there's a lot of people all over the world that are on that but it's definitely not in the majority that's for sure like the majority of people there's billions of people on this earth we're definitely not all on that wavelength because if we were we live in a totally different world so yeah i wake up every day with this whole mindset i'm getting i'm getting to my point with this whole mindset is a sense of gratitude like i'm very thankful every day to be able to just be in this experience and truly love myself like i said it's a very it's a very powerful mindset man because it's more than just it's more than just you know it's more than just getting past your uh the skeletons in your closet because with that comes like just peace man it really does it comes to really living out to your the the fullest human potential which is our natural state of being which is peace i truly believe that we all are able to be on a peaceful wavelength and uh i'm grateful every day like every day i say well thank you i'm glad that i i was born here and i've had the opportunity because uh very well could have not been i guess if (laughs) if 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 it's all just fate if it's all just by chance uh we're very lucky to be able to be here in this in this space that we hold for each other you know Mm, so beautiful thank you yeah i don't know yeah i don't know where to go from here (laughs) oh man well i mean Do you have any other last words? I can probably wrap it up at that. We're Mm -hmm. all capable. We're all capable of coming to this. I really do believe that. If, uh, you know, you just have to make make time for yourself, I guess. You know, make space for yourself to be able to explore those realms of the mind and then take what you learn from that and come back into this world. And your life becomes this journey in a way. It becomes this unfoldment of a beautiful process. You see like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly right before your eyes. But the thing is you are the caterpillar and the butterfly too. It's like you witness it at the same time that you are it. And we're all capable of living on that wavelength and becoming that beautiful version of what a human being is supposed to be. I really do think so. Maybe I'm a little optimistic, I don't know, but no, we'll see. I love, I love the optimism. I do love the optimism. Uh, my last sharing points would be start with five minutes of observation i'm not going to mm-hmm. say the, the word meditation because meditation is a completely different concept i would say to our listeners begin don't underestimate the power of five minutes a day tuning into your own system to your inner world five minutes a day just observing yeah not not to do anything with anything just just observing taking yourself away from the crowd, the distraction, the TV, the phone, take yourself into a corner, just just sit with yourself for five minutes. Let things just flow and come and go and just sit there and see what happens. Do this for three months ongoingly. You won't recognize the level of Mm self-awareness that's going to come from that. 
and the inner capacity journey. You will begin. That's how we begin our inner capacity journey with that five minutes of observation daily of our inner world, inner state. And um, I think um, my theory would be is that we are experiencing a dualistic reality. This physical dimension is dualistic. Um, there is no getting away from the paradoxical side, you know, the paradox. There is no getting away from the good and the bad, the suffering and the, you know, flow states or the um, joy. There is no, yeah. there, there is no, uh, there is no way of eliminating one or the other, and there is no way of continually being positive. That's also a bypassing. Our job is to completely detach from the both and uh, contain the both at the same time. Mm. There is no reason why we should not tap into the suffering any given time because there is a beauty in suffering. It helps us grow. Um, there is no reason why continually thriving to tap into joy. Why not? It's a beautiful state. So I think our work here is to contain the both, this dualistic reality that we are perceiving. And that's it. There's nothing more or less. Mm -hmm. and, and using these beautiful allies like psychedelic medicines and substances just to help yourself build that inner capacity. So you get to that stage where you are fully uh, in your, you know, your centered, you, you know, you're fully um, balanced, exactly grounded, mm -hmm. uh, accepting, knowing that this is it, you know, this is it. I've given this experience until the end of time. I will do my best because, again, paradoxically, um, the both forces also lies within us. The power, the force of the destruction, you know, we, we can become this really horrible destructive dark person but then there is this innate uh, state in all of us also seeking to thrive seeking mm -hmm. to to be our best version mm -hmm. tap into our highest potential there is this urge there is this you know there is a seeking inside of us yeah yearning exactly mm -hmm. so there is that too just um begin with that five minutes of observation daily and then see where it takes you yeah that would be my last share i agree even though that sounds a little for you know if you're not used to it that does sound a little tough but mm. we can all do it it's that five minutes will t turn into 10 minutes turn into 15 turn into 30 and that's the whole process but yeah, yeah. just five minutes a day disconnect from the outside and connect with the inside mm -hmm. and it'll go a long way Hundred percent, hundred percent. Other than that, yeah, that was this was a great talk. Thanks for coming on here and doing this with me. This was uh, pretty awesome. You're a cool person. You're Aww. very, you're tapped in, connected. Thank you. <laughs> so I appreciate you, your Gary. time and your energy. Mm, likewise, Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure to have this naturally flowing conversation, which I love. So keep, <laughs> for sure. Keep up the good work keep going with your own journey it's amazing to watch uh, especially younger people to just coming along 
and growing and thriving like you do. Keep sharing your message. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you so much. You as well. Let's keep doing our thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thanks for everybody that listened. And uh, other than that, peace out. Namaste. Bye for now. Thank you.